Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. No Surrender, written by Dicemonger. Yeah, most stories you hear will make it sound like we won the war against the Enlightened Empire effortlessly. But there is nothing enlightened about the Empire, and the war was hardly effortless. Especially in the beginning, it was gruesome. We were outnumbered, and our gun, only the miraculous defense at the asteroid belt, prevented Earth itself from being slagged. After the initial assault, I was stationed in Praxis. It was a new colony, hardly terraformed. No strategic importance whatsoever. So we were going to evacuate it. But with everything going on, there were never the necessary transports. So there we were, 500 infantrymen and 50,000 civilians prepared for evacuation the moment the ships would show up. Unfortunately, the crabs found us first. Like I said, the place had no strategic value, so it was just a small fleet with an attached infantry, probably headed somewhere else. But when they noticed the colony, they decided to stay and take us out. The legionnaires landed around the main colony and then quickly moved to envelop us, preventing any chance to break out. The first day was mayhem. Major Klein was hit early on and taken back to the command post. Fierce fighting. We quickly lost our outer greenhouses, but in the end our perimeter shrunk to the point where they had a hard time bringing sufficient numbers to bear to overrun us. Many of the civvies armed up and joined the line, and the rest helped fortify, well, everything. The inner city became a death trap. It took the crabs two days to realize that they wouldn't be able to get a quick breakthrough. So they then radioed us demanding that our superior officer surrender the colony. In exchange, they would take us captive rather than kill us. We got Klein on the mic and he just said nothing. The crabs got the message. Of course, it still wasn't easy. Without the greenhouses, we only had the food stocked in the inner colony and the crabs continued trying the defenses. So five days later, they actually managed to bring down the eastern stockyard. Plugging that gap brought us down to half our original numbers. Lost maybe 25% of the civilians in one swoop of murder-happy crabs. After that fight, the crabs called again. We put Klein on the mic again. We knew the sooner or later we would have to reinforcements showing up. So again, Klein said nothing. No surrender from us. Seven days later, we were down to the final assault. The crabs were taking serious casualties, but they were pressing us back until we howled just the spaceport. The non-combatants were crammed into the tunnels like sardines, but by now, the port was a damp fortress. So the crabs call us again. You know the drill. Klein on the mic. No answer for the crabs. And just like that, they started to withdraw. We got word over the comms that the Navy had entered the system. 
The crabs did manage to withdraw most of their forces, losing only a few ships. But six months later, we met the same legion again in Yanduka, and we took our pound of flesh for Praxis. What? Klein? Yeah, he got buried on Praxis after receiving the Star and Cross. He died something like 15 minutes after he got shot, but he sure as hell never surrendered. Human humor. Gallows humor. End of story. Story number two. Constant Companions, written by Hitching Potamus. Inspector Ferranza looked down at his call sheet. Damn it, another human 507 call. What was wrong with them? Oh well, he had to go check it out. As he headed for the door, he fired off a message to the documentation team, just in case. Some days, he really hated this job. Arriving at the apartment complex, he went to domicile 11B. He knocked on the door. Christina, I'm inspector with the interplanetary quarantine squad. There's been a report that you brought an unsanctioned life form here. As he said this, he heard threat noises of no human throat can make. Clearly, something was in there. The door came towards him at an angle, made of sanctor wood. It had been built hinged on the human style of swing out, rather than to rise up into the wall as many other species preferred. Her head with a blonde pear peeked out, the rest of her body obscured by the door. Inspector, excuse me, I'm a little busy at the moment. What did you say that was about again? Unauthorized animal, ma'am. There have been complaints of sounds coming from your apartment that are not from a human or any other sentient resident species, and a few of the canines have indicated a smell coming off this as well. And I can't help but say I hear it making threatening noises at me. Sassy, shush! Christina disappeared behind the door for a moment. The threat noises stopped, and a second later, the door opened all the way revealing Christina in a pink bathrobe and a blue t-shirt with naked human baby and the name of a human religion's afterlife printed on it. She was holding a creature of about 15 earth pounds, which appeared to be a predator of some sort, with four legs, claws, and what appeared to be sharp claws. It had brown and white fur, which was absentmindedly stroked. The animal struck its head towards the inspector, sniffing the air, likely looking to establish a scent that it could use to hunt him later. The inspector shivered a little. Come on in, inspector. I have nothing to hide. Nothing to hide? That creature cannot be here. Sure he can, Christina frowned. Have you not received the new regulations from the Treaty of Canis and Felis? It was the inspector's turn to frown. We heard something was in the works, but we aren't set to be briefed on it until the end of the week. Well, that's bureaucracy for you. Implement a new law and don't tell the people who need to know about it until a week later. Okay, no argument here, but what does that have to do with our situation here? The human race gave up massive concessions to allow us to be able to bring dogs and cats with us wherever we go, unless the world files a specific petition indicating a unique biological risk, which is verified by the tribunal. Christina picked up her PDA device with a hand that was not holding sassy and made a few quick gestures. There you have all the documentation regarding this little one right here. I registered her properly and everything. Didn't I, Miss Sassafras? Didn't Mommy do the paperwork for you? The last was spoken to the dog in an odd tone, clearly some kind of human affection response. 
The inspector's PDA beeped, and he looked down and saw that it did appear to be an official documentation of some sort, although of a form that he had not been trained in. He sighed. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. Keep this thing inside until after I've my training. If your story checks out, fine. If you're lying to me, I'm coming at you with every violation I can dream up. Christina smiled. Sounds fair. Inspector prepared to leave, but just couldn't help himself. Why? Christina looked up from where she had just placed the creature in some kind of enclosed space. What do you mean, Inspector? Why do humans want these things around? It's been sticking point with you all ever since you contacted the galactic community. You have to know that, in general, we like you, but we don't get them. We don't get why you care for them. They don't give you food or any other useful items. We know some are trained for jobs, and that makes sense. Humans aren't the only species to domesticate animals for survival purposes. But this isn't that. At least not for the most of them. You just seem to like them. And for that you'd be willing to alienate so many other sentient species and give up massive amounts of property. Christina thought about it for a second. There's a lot that goes into that. First, you're right. Many of them don't have jobs now. But they did. You see, an evolutionary ancestors of theirs was a pack hunter that we wound up finding the most compatible members of the species to tame and breed. And well, we made them into what they are today. They can't survive anymore without us, and I'm not sure that we would have survived without them. And so, it doesn't feel right for us just to leave them behind. For better or worse, they're a part of the deal. I can't say I totally understand, but uh, thank you for trying to help me get it. The inspector walked away and shook his head. Freaking humans, they're crazy. No two ways about it. End of story. Story number three. Human and Speed. Written by Wiktry. There is a constant top speed in the universe. The speed of light known as C. Most races accept this as the speed limit of the universe, and that's that. Of course, there are many ways of going around the speed of light. Things like using warp fields, quantum jumps, and wormholes are all technically faster than the speed of light. The distinction comes in how you are moving. With all the ways of traveling, you aren't actually moving faster than light. You are just manipulating space to move you from point A to point B without any speed at all in most cases. For most races, just getting between two points in space in less than a lifetime was more than enough. But not for humans. Just bending the laws of physics and space itself to the will by means of transportation wasn't enough for them. Oh no, they didn't just want to go faster, they wanted to go faster within the frame of relativistic speeds. They didn't want to go faster than the speed of light. No, that was easy, they said. They wanted to go the speed of light without the space-bending trickery. And so, over the centuries, humans had built larger and faster rockets, all towards the goal of getting as close to the speed of light as possible. Competitions were held annually, records are kept, and record holders are heralded as heroes. Every planet within their federation has their own team and they build their own rockets. The speeds and records have become point of planetary pride, heralded above most others. 
Their scientific discoveries within the field of rocketry, construction, materials, and more have already made them the foremost producer of spaceships within the galaxy. Most other races have given up creating their own ships in favor of using the human constructions. Their speed, performance, and safety far above what they could build. Yet, their rockets keep growing ever larger, faster, and more advanced for every cycle that passes. Their massive creations burning through fuel faster than most stars as they push closer and closer to the ever-distant goal of doing the one thing everyone told them that they could not do. The race to the speed of light has only just begun. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.